Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. And notice, God buried him. And he, God, buried him in a valley in the land of Moab opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows his grave to this day. And I wonder why that is. You know, I think I think it's very possible. We're enamored with grave sites, and especially of a patriarch like, like Moses, really significant. You know, even at the gravesite of Jesus, you know, where he was crucified and he was put in the tomb and he was left, you know, if your heart is right, you, you, you can go into the, the empty tomb and you'll see that yourself, you go to Israel. You can go in there and if your heart is right, you don't get all twisted and weird. But some people idolize the place. Welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob finalizes the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 34 with the passing of Moses on Mount Nebo. We learn that God had given Moses a view at the top of the mountain of some of the promised land on that day. Even though he would never step foot into the land that God gave the nation of Israel, God was gracious enough to show Moses where his people would be blessed. Moses was God's servant and a prophet. But what set him apart was that he was the only one God communicated with face to face. However, we must always remember to worship God and not the servants that he raises up. Let's join Pastor Rob with his final teaching in Deuteronomy. I'm going to buy this land of Zebulun. I'm going to buy the whole entire thing. I'm going to spend all I've got. (laughs) And you do it because the Word of God says this. And then... Some guys from Texas come and say, hey, did you know that uh, we've done some testing in here and you, you, got, you got lots of oil here, bro? You know, you can just see with the toothpick in their mouth and their cowboy boots. Y'all got lots of oil beneath. You just give us a sliver and we'll give you three billion right off the top. Right? Let him dip his foot in oil. Asher's filled with it right now. There's a lot of other things I'd like to share with you, but Again, time doesn't permit, so let's go on to verse 25. Your sandals, he says, shall be iron and bronze, uh, as speaking of Asher. As your days, so shall your strength be. And I love in verse 26 through the end, it's really just worship. Again, he encapsulates this, this blessing, finally, Moses. He begins with worship. He blesses his, the 12 tribes, and then he ends with worship. What a nice bookend to anything, worship. That's why we worship. Before we get into the Word, we worship God because of who He is. We get into the Word, and sometimes we worship afterwards. But what a wonderful thing Moses does. And so he does. He worships. He says, there is no one like the God of Jeshurun, which is just another phrase for Israel. It's a code name for Israel. Who rides the heavens to help you, and in His excellence on the clouds. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. In spite of all your mess-ups, 
Israel, in spite of all the things that you've done wrong, in spite of your sin, in spite of all that you've done, I still love you, and I've still got a plan for your life. I've still got a plan for you. God has a plan for your life, too, no matter how much you've messed up. Does your life resemble that of Simeon and Levi? I mean, think of it. I, mean, I don't think any of us here have pulled out a sword and cut down a city. You may have wanted to. But have you? Has anybody here taken a sword with a friend and taken out a whole entire village of people? You know, take out, you know, take out East Rochester? Not East Rochester. They're, they're good Italian brothers. I'll just leave it there. So anyway, but who has done that? Have you done something so heinous as that? Can God forgive you for the most heinous of things? Yes, he can. Can he forgive these brothers? Yes, he can. Can he forgive you? Is there any sin that you've done that's so bad that you're like, God can't forgive me? Well, your God is too small. Your God is too small if you don't think he can forgive you because he's forgiven some of the most nastiest people on the earth. Nastiest people on the earth. He has forgiven them. Then Israel shall dwell... I'm sorry, let me back... um, Yeah. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. He will thrust out the enemy from before you and will say, destroy. That's what he told them to do. When they get into the land, don't make legions with, you know, arrangements with these people. There are seven groups of people. I want you to go in, and God says, I want you to wipe out every single thing. Don't even, don't even bother, you know, compromising on this issue. Just do what I say. Just do what I say. And yet they went in and they didn't even do it. They didn't, not only did they not do what he said, but they didn't even finish the job. And what, did God say, oh, I'm done with you now. You didn't listen to what I said. You did a half-baked job, and then you finally didn't do it. Um, I'm going to go find another people. Did he say that? No, he stuck with them right to the end, and he's still with them today. And even the election that everyone's wondering about right now, it's in the hand of God. Is it going to be Benjamin Yatsenu, or is it going to be Gantz, or whatever his last name is? Who's it going to be? I've been praying about that. Have you been praying about it? Lord, your will be done. I have no idea what this other gentleman stands for, but you know what he stands for. And if he's in your your will, then you allow him to be. And guess what? The whole world is going abuzz about who's going to be the next prime minister of Israel. God's not up there wringing his hands going, man, if those people don't get out and vote, we're going to lose everything. No, he already knows. And do you know he could just whisper it into our ears? Oh, yeah, it's going to be so-and-so. I've already seen it. In fact, this all happened, and it's a hairline, just a maybe 10, 15-vote difference. I mean, if it comes down to something like that, God is aware. He's, he's not worried. He wasn't worried about those 15 people voting or not. He knew what was going to happen. I love that about him, don't you? Do you really need to worry about anything? Happy are you, O Israel. Oh, let me back up. I really want to get to that verse. Verse 28, Then Israel shall dwell in safety, the fountain of Jacob alone in a land of grain and new wine, his heavens shall also drop dew. Happy are you, I love this, O Israel. Who is like you? A people saved by God. Is there anyone like you, people? Is there anyone like you, people? You know, God loves you, regardless of the things that you've done. He loves you. He's a great God of salvation. There's nothing so bad. And he loved them too. He says, The shield of your help and the sword of your majesty, your enemies shall submit to you, and you shall tread down their high places. We're going to read right through Deuteronomy chapter 34, because there's really not a whole lot to comment on this, so it'll go pretty quickly. So let's read it. So Moses, finally, he's, he's shared these things with the tribes. 
And you'll notice as you go through that, that Simeon is not present in this list that we just read. He's not listed. And it makes you wonder, why? Is it because of what they did in in Genesis 34? The cruelty that they demonstrated? God says, you know what? You're not going to get anything. Or what you do get, you're just going to get this small piece of land and somebody else's inheritance. And you're going to be a small people. I'm going to see to it that you're not as prosperous as maybe you want to be because of your sin. And who knows the heart of Simeon? God knew the heart of Simeon. And God knows our hearts. He doesn't punish you. He doesn't. But there are consequences for our sin, aren't there? Even when we do ask for forgiveness. We sin and we make a mistake. We, we really blow it. And God can forgive you, but there's always consequences following. David knew that very well. And we read the life of him and you realize this. But let's get into Deuteronomy 34, the very last. It says, Then Moses went up to Mount from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. If you look up on the screen here, you'll see here's another, again another map. We've got to get a new projector, <laughs> and, and so it'll be really bright. But over here is where Moses was. This is Mount Nebo. It's about 26,500 feet in elevation, and then Pisgah is right over here, and that's uh, more than double its size and height. And so there it is. This is where Moses went up to the top of this mountain. It's a very high mountain. And there he died. But look what happened before he died. It says, And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead. This is the land of Gilead. If you look up here, this is all the land of Gilead over here. So he showed them all the land of Gilead as far as Dan. And Dan is, goes way up off the map, way up north, above the Sea of Galilee, right on the border of Israel and Lebanon. And as and all Naphtali and all the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, it must have been a really clear day. And even in, uh, in Galilee, you can stand on top of Mount Arbel, and if you go to Israel, you'll do this. We'll stand on the top of Mount Arbel, and you'll look down, and you'll see the, the Dead Sea. I'm sorry, not the Dead Sea. The, you'll see the Sea of Galilee. And I remember being up there one time, I think it was in 2005, and standing up there looking out. And I looked off in the distance, and I lifted my head, and I could see um, uh, Mount Hermon in the distance. It was summer. It was 80-some degrees. I'm standing on top of Mount Arbel, and I'm looking over at, you know, um, Mount Hermon, yes. <laughs> I could see the snow-capped mountain in the distance. On a clear day, God can show... I'm sure he would be able to show Moses all of this land. You're going to see it, Moses, but you can't go in. And even that is a grace. God could have said, you know, because of your rebellion, I'm not even going to let you see it. And that's certainly what he deserved. But God says, you know what, Moses? I'm going to let you see it with your own eyes to bless you. So he allowed him to see the land of Ephraim and Manasseh and all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, which is the Sea of the Mediterranean Sea, and the south and the plain of the Valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zoar, which is the south part. Zoar is down here below the Dead Sea. 
down there where um, Lot and where the fire came down and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It's down by there. And the Lord said to him, verse 4, This is the land of which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants, and I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. You shall not cross over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And notice, God buried him. And he, God, buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows his grave to this day. And I wonder why that is. You know what I think? I think it's very possible. We're enamored with grave sites, and especially of a patriarch like, like Moses, really significant. You know, even at the gravesite of Jesus, you know, where he was crucified and he was put in the tomb and he was left, you know, if your heart is right, you, you, you can go into the, the empty tomb and you'll see that yourself. You go to Israel. You can go in there and if your heart is right, you don't get all twisted and weird. But some people idolize the place instead of looking to the one who came from the place. You know what I mean? It's good. I mean, it is. There's an awe-inspiring thing about it and there's no doubt of that. And that's okay. But had Moses been buried where they knew where he was, boy, today there would be a big, you know, like a Disney World over in, uh, in the Holy Land somewhere. And they would have his bones on display or something. And people would come and they would worship him. But God buried him in the land of Moab. And nobody knows to his grave to this day. And so Moses was 120 years old when, his, when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days, which is very customary. And so the days of weeping and mourning for Moses ended. And now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him, and so the children of Israel heeded him. They listened to him, and they did as the Lord had commanded Moses. But since then there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. In all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in all the land of Egypt before Pharaoh, before all his servants, and in all his land, and by all that mighty power, and by the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. And so we have it. So now Moses finally passes from the scene, and now Joshua, his successor, is going to take the people in. And that's what's going to be so exciting as we get into the book of Joshua, because that's really what it is. They go across the Jordan for the first time with the, the Levites carrying the Ark of the Covenant, and they go in, they step their foot into the, 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 the Jordan River, and the Jordan River stops, and they walk over on dry land. Go figure that one out. But that's one that the scholars hate. They hate that stuff, and I like it. God can, he can take dry land. He can make it dry. And they go over, and the, the, the waters are abated until they get over. And then they, in their first battle, Jericho. And we're going to see Joshua, the book of Joshua, just those battles. Joshua, or Jericho, and then Ai. And then we're going to see the children of Israel just struggling and struggling to take God at his word and to do the thing that he had told them to do. Complete obedience, not a little obedience, which is really disobedience, isn't it? And we'll see in the book of Joshua, God, after they get into the land and finally all of their enemies are subdued, that God finally says, okay, we're going to divide up the land. And so they do. They divide up the land, and each of them has a parcel. And you can see, remember, this back here. 
you know, this, uh, this map here on the, on the right-hand side. They divide up the, the whole land of Canaan into these different areas, and they would abide there. They would live there, and they would settle their families. And notice the three that are off here to the side, Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh. They wanted that land so bad. They were supposed to get on the other side and have more land. But they disobeyed. And God says, okay, you can have that land, but you better help your brothers. And we're going to see that in Joshua as well. You can't settle in your land. Don't get all comfortable yet until all of the tribes have gotten their land settled. Then you can come back and you can dwell in this part of the, of the, on, the on this side of the Jordan River. But you notice what happened when Assyria came in 722 B.C., hundreds of years after this event, hundreds of years. They are the first ones to be picked off. The first ones to be taken captive are those tribes. And it, it just goes back to obedience, doesn't it? Obedience, obedience, obedience. And so purpose in your heart tonight, today, and tomorrow to be obedient, even if it hurts, even if it doesn't make sense. You know, there's so much warning in here, and we're going to see more of it in Joshua. You know, there's so much warning, and God is saying, will you just believe me, trust me when I say? Why would God say, don't lie with man as man lies with a woman? Why would he say that? Why would God put his finger on homosexuality? Why would God put his finger on fornication? Why would he do that? Because fornication destroys families. Why does he tell the homosexual person not to engage in homosexuality? Well, the statistics are out. Did you know that there's a huge, huge decline in their lifespan? The average lifespan of a homosexual male is in his 40s. Did you know that? Because they're using their bodies in ways that God had never designed. And so obedience, obedience, it doesn't matter. God doesn't care whether you like it or not. You know, if your sin is really exciting and God tells you not to do it, you've got a choice to make. I can either obey my flesh or I can obey God. If you obey the flesh, what does the Bible say in Romans 6.23? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life by Jesus Christ. So we can either listen to him or we can say, this is just so much, I, I, I want to express this part of myself. I want to do this. I want to do that. I know, it's, I know what the Bible says, but I want to do it because I'm in love with this person. Well, you better love somebody else. Because there is somebody else for you. You're not programmed to be that way. God didn't make you that way. You made yourself that way because you continued in your rebellion. And did you know it is a stepping stone for many people? They start off dabbling in pornography. And the next thing you know, that's not good enough. They need a high, something different. And before long, you're watching and engaging in really crazy, weird twisted things. And God says, don't do that. Because the end of that road is death. Look at the statistics. Look at the divorce rate from fornication and adultery. We don't just harp on one thing. It's all sin, isn't it? 
Look at the statistics. Even in the church, adultery, killing marriages, so great now. The numbers are so great. Why? Because we're no longer listening with the intent of doing. We're just kind of feeling it out, man. I live by grace, bro. No, you're living in sin, and you need to repent. You're living in sin, and you need to repent. Because if you don't, you're going to lose everything. You're either going to lose your life eventually, or you're going to lose your happy home and all your kids. And I've seen it in my own family, folks, and many of you have too. So let's not be like the mule who's stubborn. Let's be obedient. And to show and to prove that, God, I love you. And didn't Jesus say, if you love me, you'll do my commandments? It doesn't mean you're going to do them perfectly. You're going to, be, you're going to sin. We know that. We're not perfect, but when you do sin, you confess it and you stand up and you keep going. You don't let that thing to hang you down. When you mess up and you're going to mess up over and over again, you've got to get right back up and you've got to confess it and keep going. Don't ever, ever stop. And the devil will tell you, you are not worth saving. You've done this too many times. How many times have you gone to the Lord and, and asked him to forgive you for the same sin, for the same thing, over and over again? God's not going to forgive you. He's going to flush you. The devil will say that, and Jesus right there is saying, how many times can I forgive you? Seventy times seven. And even if you do it the 491st time, and you cry out to me and ask for forgiveness, I'm going to forgive you. That's the grace. If you understand grace, you're going to be like, Lord, you're so good, I don't even want to do this stuff anymore. Have you gotten to that point? You're so good, I don't want to do it anymore. I love you more than I love the pleasure of this thing, whatever it is. Drugs, alcohol, booze, sex, whatever it is. I love you, Lord, more than any of these things. Help me to be obedient. Give me the grace. Give me the strength, and he will. And it will be a process. You keep going. Don't ever, ever stop. And there's some of you in this room, you know what I'm talking about. You've been doing the same thing for years, and you've never turned away from it. And God is very gracious but he wants you to turn from it today because it's getting a foothold in your life. Whatever that thing is, it's going to drown you. You'll still, you may still be a blood-bought Christian and going to heaven, but your, your integrity, your, your witness is just going to be washed away. Don't you want your life to mean more than what it's meaning? Don't you want your life to be for God to put you up and it's like the precious jewels, the precious metals, rather than the wood, hay, and the stubble? which are going to be burned. Don't you want that? I want that. Let's stand and let's pray. Father, we just come before you, Lord. And Lord, every one of us tonight, Lord, we confess. We confess our sin to you. Lord, we pray that you would forgive us, Lord. And Father, you know our hearts and you know Lord, every single soul here and my own soul, you know us better than we know ourselves. Lord, forgive us for the times that we go astray. Forgive us for the, the rebellion in our heart, Lord. Forgive us for willingly going into sin. And then knowing very well that when we come on the, on the other side, we're going to stop and we're going to drop to our knees and we're going to pray. Father, help us not to treat your grace like something that we can trample under our feet, but help us love you and to treat the grace that you have purchased by the blood, your own blood, Help us to, to, to comprehend it beyond everything and to be totally changed, Lord. Help us to hate those things and to love you more 
than the hate that we have for those things. To love you more. Have your way with us tonight, Lord. And thank you for loving us and for your goodness toward us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us again next time when Pastor Rob begins a study in First and Second Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.